You're listening to Theology Untucked with Tim and Caleb. Our aim, as always, is to help the people of God understand, love, and enjoy the Word of God. For more information, visit us at theologyuntucked.com. Welcome to another episode of Theology Untucked with Tim and Caleb. Tonight's episode is the Bible Genre Series, the Wisdom Genre. And now, here are your hosts and theologians, Sapientes, Tim and Caleb. How you doing, Caleb? Good night to be talking about wisdom literature. Are you feeling wise and on top of your game? I, I am. Good. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty wise these days. It's great. It's probably because now, we're starting a new a new semester of uh, seminary. Our last one for classes, which is nice. <clears throat> yeah, it's so the break's been nice. I, you know, because I don't have that cloudiness I've had um, when you're just got all of life and everything going on. Uh, right. How about you? Been been a good break. It's been a great break. Yeah, um, we had six weeks off, and my goodness, I haven't had that kind of time to just focus on stuff that's not seminary uh, for quite some time. Um, kind of spend a good deal of time with family, and uh, yeah, been uh, working on a project that I'm pretty excited about, and um, it's a little bit different. In fact, most people that know me probably be very surprised I'm doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, working on a um, a fantasy book, actually. Yeah, uh, that kind of a series of them. That. So, been working on and with world your daughter for the right? past several months. Yeah, and That's awesome. uh, laying out story arcs and characters and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, bringing in a lot of the stuff I have in theology and putting it into a fictional novel set to kind of challenge people where they are, um, even challenging some of the more common themes in fantasy that uh, to to push people to think about them more biblically without them actually knowing what I'm doing with that, which is kind of fun. So uh, maybe maybe like me and you could be like the new like C.S. Lewis and what's the Tolkien? What, what, Tolkien. Yeah. yeah, sure. You're gonna start writing one too. Well. Um, I'm I'm not not so much in in the fantasy. Well, it's more modern fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, but I mean, it's it's the same it's the same ideas. I've I've been working on it for a couple of years. Um, it, you know, and of course, I'll get really inspired at, at times when I when my brain's functioning, and then of course mm-hmm. that it it's hard to do that. Um, especially the doctoral work. Um. I did get my first A on a H. Douglas Buckwalter paper. Very nice. I'm pumped. Very Um, nice. And, you know, I I just, I can't just tell you how much, how excited I am for another semester just getting to study underneath him. In fact, I'm almost even kind of like, man, I could go another couple more semesters. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to do my whole, um, uh, both my masters with him. Yeah, and that I've 
I, I've had him as a teacher in class now. This will be the end of my sixth year running. And uh, yeah, no, I've never had someone as a teacher quite like him. Uh, very He's challenging. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, very solid, very humble guy. And man, he will run circles around anyone who thinks they know Greek. Huh. <laughs> he's he's taught and studied greek for over 40 years and uh my goodness it uh, doesn't matter where we drop in he'll uh, you know it could be a, a word that's used one time and it's in the subjunctive mood and he's already got it in his brain you know, sitting there with just the greek text in front of us it's like i yikes <laughs> yeah i'll never his, get to that level i love his i love his brain the way it just functions and works and and such Honestly, a it, it comes from just sitting person. in scripture. A lot. He just sits in scripture all the time, and it just it just comes out of him all over the place. It's just marvelous to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, not in just word, but deed. Um, but yeah, so text criticism. I'm really, I was really kind of because this is probably it's obviously supposed to be your, your probably the most difficult um, that we're gonna have, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, this semester so, should be great, though. We get to work through archaeology. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really pumped about that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've always, I've, you know, what what dangers lie in front of uh, researchers for, or and even in Christians, you know, there's, there's, oh, this new things, you know, discovered here, discovered there, and you know, as far as for doctoral work, where do we go for authoritative, peer reviewed, you know, double checked, triple checked. That this is actually a legit thing. I mean, how many how many of us grew up with tales of some, you know, Noah's Ark is found here, or the Ark of the Covenant found there, or the crossing of the Red Sea? But you know, oh, you know, it, all of these stories that come out, and yet we can't get them vetted because of some special thing that happened or whatever. And to be able to actually settle down and go, okay, here's where you go for good archaeological research. Here's where you go for seeing the state of current, you know. Uh, excavations that are working and that's i'm looking forward to that i'm yeah. really looking forward it's it's one of the it's one of the last holes of research that i don't have filled and i'm looking forward to filling it in yeah I, man I, I i really I, I think i might be taking the opportunity to do it to uh go on an archaeological dig i've always wanted to wanted to do that um but yeah i'm i'm really excited about it yeah you know you're kind of you brought up just uh you know, obviously, there's it's a predominantly secular world, a secular scientific um, type mm-hmm. world. Um, but but I also respect and enjoy kind of really kind of any anything in that field, even if even if they are the scholarship is secular. You can tell when someone's got an agenda and when they don't. Um, yeah. but, 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 but there are those that do care about truth. Now it, it's the way that we interpret that data. That's a right. little bit, a little bit different. Um, but you know, we're, you know, we're not necessarily, um, doing, they're not doing theology, but, but of course we are trying to see where it relates, you know, like we, we understand that what this does is, is how that backs up. And, and it always, it seems like with, you know, each new archeological find it, it, there's some theological ideas and truth that come through with that, that, uh, and whether that be biblical interpretation or, um, biblical theology, um, 
And so that's always kind of really exciting. Um, Very much so. when these when these new finds happen. So tonight's episode, we're going to do a a little kind of series here on um, just a just the Bible genre series and uh, wisdom. I think that was a good one. That's a good one to start with. Uh, a good, tell us a little of, bit about the, the wisdom ones, genre. Yeah, it's one of the easiest ones to kind of wrap your head around and and to work with, even though. Is probably as far as things we're familiar with one of the most strange ones to us, and so it often gets misinterpreted because it's so different than our culture. We don't really have something that's a direct correlation to wisdom literature in English uh, literature. We, you know, we have we have things like fiction. We have Doctor Seuss. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we have. It's kind of like a collection collections of sayings or of stories that concern themselves with the way life is lived. Yeah. And, I look at them and, like sayings from Pawpaw. You know, like yeah. Pawpaw would say these little things uh, growing up. And, and everybody yes. had that Pawpaw or uncle that kind of... Um, and, and so, like, when we look at things like Proverbs, they're, they're kind of like that. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not narrative. It's not telling and going through the story. Right. So, I mean, you get you get Proverbs, which is the main one that people would go to for wisdom literature. There's a few others, though. Uh, Job, Job, some of the Psalms, uh, the Book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on how you refer to that, uh, are are the main ones that you would go to for you know kind of definition of how this how this works out. Um, most of it's written by uh, Solomon. Uh, you mm-hmm. have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are all, and then uh, uh, Psalms. Um, half of them are written by his father, David, and then Job is written. We don't know who by, um, but way, way, way previous. And so, what what's interesting is that these later works, um, some of the Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, follow in a tradition that's actually extremely old. Job as a book is wisdom literature, but it's from a completely different time period than the others. Yeah, it's Job is really one of my favorites. It, it's probably mm-hmm. it's probably one of the greatest pieces of literature, probably I would say probably ever written from you know from a narrative perspective because you've got you've got poetry, you've got wisdom, you've got narrative, you've got prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just, it's, uh, Job's a really interesting book. Um, and it's also interesting that the age of Job and dating it obviously is very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that it's in the Hebrew Bible because these are not Hebrew people. Correct. Yeah. Gentiles. So, um, obviously, you know, I, I guess maybe that's why they probably, People, some you know, want to kind of date that before um, Abraham, perhaps. Um, yeah, I don't know. and due to the people mentioned in it, uh, the yeah. land he's from, and the people that attacked his children, and things like that, it, it seems to indicate a time period. Now, of course, that that's a huge window, but it does seem to indicate with his age and everything else, a pretty, pretty clearly um, before Genesis is written down. Uh, during the Exodus, so I mean, you probably are talking first half of the second millennia BC. So 
between like 2,000 and 1,500. So, yeah. Are there other um, ancient Near Eastern texts that are similar with Job, meaning from yeah. Mesopotamia? Okay. That's, I was wanting to yeah. say that there was... Yeah, there are some. Yeah. And they don't care, they don't cover the exact same kind of a concept, but trying to explain uh, or at least interact with somebody uh, in light of their ignorance of what the gods are doing, uh, there definitely is some of that. And that and that kind of comes out with Job as well. Um and so that kind of gets into one of the first themes of wisdom literature is is the attention to things that on a cosmic scale are small, um, mm. but showing that God is not only aware of but directing the intricacies of. And so you'll get you'll get the Book of Job, which is all concerned with one person. The idea that God is speaking to uh, the accuser, uh, Satan. And he's bragging about one guy here, you know, off in the corner of the universe on one planet, you know, with his family and saying, hey, have you checked him out? You know, that's the uh, so there's a, that's another interesting thing to talk about. Just uh, I'm glad we're just kind of freestyling here uh, because this is the first time the Hasatan is mentioned in in the Hebrew Bible. The Hasatan right. is the Satan. Um, so people have really kind of misunderstood. You know, in the Greek, in the New Testament, it gets um, formalized into like its Proper name. name. Um, but right. but but this isn't what we have here in Job. It um, because there's other places in the Hebrew Bible where you know um, you know. The, the Lord, God, is is the Hasatan. He's the adversary. The word means the adversary, with the Hasatan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't necessarily see that the Hasatan in Job is necessarily a bad guy. Um, he's an adversary, but I don't necessarily see him as like the that's the serpent from Eden. I don't necessarily, okay. I don't think that they're the same. Um, okay. It seems to me the when I, when you read the text and he's having this conversation with, with the Lord, um, it, he's just kind of like doing his job. Um, and I know that may sound weird to some, um, well, but, I, the, but I there think, is scholarship weird on that. Because we're, but we're used to the English translation. We only. are used to that. And and right. so um, and look, I di- I didn't even start even knowing this or understanding this uh, until a couple of years ago. J- just at reading some other text, um, Archie Wright, that scholar, that he he did a lot of work um, on this. Uh, there are a couple other people, um, but it, it 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 it's a really interesting idea of how we think about first of all Satan this adversary and adversarial mm-hmm. creatures that are and entities that are mentioned you know throughout the old testament and especially the new I, testament i think I, I do think a lot of that comes from the fact that most christians will start in the new testament and then read back everything under the old testament yeah and that really becomes a problem because that the first time you run into satan in the new testament he is called that as a proper name right uh, that's right which and so is it a happens Hebrew very term. innocently yeah Happens yeah. very innocently. 
Right, and but then it develops and clarifies and then defines this is Satan, the devil, the dragon. And then, I mean, it just pounds it home. And so we take this New Testament revelation and then read it back into something like Job, which was written probably 15, 1,500 to 2,000 years beforehand, and say, well, it's in the ancient world, therefore they had the same worldview. And it's like, oh, no, huh. No, 2,000 years beforehand, the way that they would read this, the way they would interact with this, is, is on a completely different level. What, what do the readers of Job hear when they hear the word, uh, and they hear the Hebrew term, hasatan? It's, it is an accuser. And so to, to read that that is particularly the person that is tempting Jesus in the, in the desert does lead to some interpretive issues. Yeah, you yeah. are correct. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and I guess that's a good thing that we kind of fell into that. What We weren't necessarily planning on talking about that. But um, so, you know, as we go through Job, it's just a, it's just a deep book. There's a lot of stuff happening. And then you got, and then you got things like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, these, these right. short little pawpaw sayings. So um, that, and so just, and, and I think a lot of that, and I'm actually glad you brought up the issue with Satan is because it it kind of encapsulates one of the difficulties of wisdom literature it is mm-hmm. so far removed from us yeah you know something like job is is as far removed from the new testament as we are 2000 years yeah and, I, and it's hard for us to grasp that because to it's us it's still hard for us to grasp i mean like even I, that's why i love it i mean there's something always that i really dig d- deep in and find in mm-hmm. in job um yeah and I, I I don't know, I don't know. Can, can we really fully grasp that being so far removed? Um, because we don't have any. Just like you said, we don't have any literature that that speaks to us in a in a way. Well, like we're that. in the biblical theology track. We should be able to recognize no matter how much we think we've got a grasp on something in scripture, <sighs> we'll never fully grasp it. Yeah, the depths are simply beyond us. But that's can, what's can so we awesome get an idea. It. Yeah, I think we can get an idea. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Can um, we nail down every single thing in Job? No. Uh, we're not supposed to. And that's one of those other cool things about wisdom literature is it's not meant to be clear. No. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's what's kind of mysterious about it. It's also kind of why, why Jesus spoke in parables. Correct. And that would be maybe uh, something would be maybe a, a sub kind of ep- episode and maybe that you could throw into the wisdom series because he's when he's pulling Jesus obviously knew his Hebrew Bible pretty well. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because, you know, that, that that's what the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, they're they're like, this guy would speak. They're like, like who taught this guy (laughs) just like a commoner. Um, Like what, Mm -hmm. what? Um, And, it's the spirit of God. Now, have you ever met somebody? I remember being younger um, and meeting, you know, everybody, especially men. You're always kind of sizing each other up. But just these just old farmers, old men, rough men that would just ooze the spirit of God and his mm-hmm. word um, because they just spend so much time in it and so much time with the Lord. Um, and the, the wisdom literature, it, it's spiritual truth can 
only be spoken in a in a spiritual way to spiritual people to discern what it means. You can't just really go through and we we were going to kind of bring up some some texts. I'll look them up here in a minute, Tim. Um uh, like hey, you know, what does this mean? It, it's just not mm-hmm. like other pieces of the Bible where like we're you know, we're going through it because it's just so many layers. That yeah, and there's, there's no other on. part of the Bible that is specifically calling itself difficult. Um, when you when you open up the book of Proverbs, for instance, he he introduces the concept of wisdom literature, and he's sitting here talking about the difficulty of it. And so, you know, if you got your Bibles, turn there, yeah. Proverbs chapter 1, and just the first seven verses, he, he kind of defines and lays out what his expectation is from wisdom literature as he's writing it. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, it says, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, mm. to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. These are the things, this is what I was talking about, the focus on the minutia of life, kind of in the midst of the bigger areas of life, right? To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a Proverbs and a saying the words of the wise and their riddles. And and again, just talking about things that are not written in just a clear, this is not a, you know, if, if you're coming to the book of Proverbs, for instance, and you're trying to find um, promises, stop right now. That's not what it's about. It's about riddles. It's about sayings of the wise to the wise to increase their wisdom. And so he says, where do we start? Where do we start? We're not starting with, oh, let's, uh, let's deduce out this. No. The fear of the Lord. Mm. That's where you're going to start. If you don't start there, you will not end up in the right place. This is not a magical book. This is not a this is not a, a thing for incantations. This is not a book of promises. It is a book of proverbs. And uh, fools, however, despise wisdom and instruction. And so, I, I think one of the more common abuses of wisdom literature will find. Well, there's hardly any abuses of the other ones because nobody reads them. Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, you know, unless you're like a 13-year-old boy or something like this, right? <laughs> At least if you were like me. <laughs> so, well, I'm reading my Bible, you know. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at stuff like this and, you know, you get promises from people saying things like, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And say, oh, you know, that's a, that's you know, that's a promise because it's 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 stated in this way. No, nothing in here is promises. You know, and I have seen people bent over with with guilt because their their adult children went and did this and that, and they say, well, whose fault is it? And then and then people in the church try to trying to stay faithful to scripture in actually defeat the whole point of scripture and and lay guilt at the parents feet when in reality the law has already expressed that the one who sins that's the one whose guilt that is to be laid at you know and so we're we're talking about uh the 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 real term for the way that the proverbs is written and the way wisdom literature tends to be written is truthisms Things that are generally true about the nature of life as God has created it to be. And so is it generally true that when you train up children, when they're old, they don't depart from it? Yes. So don't neglect your children. I mean, that that literally is 
the only purpose of that statement. It, it is to say to parents... Yeah, an evil, wicked person can find the truth in that and correct, be like Correct, correct. And, and, and oftentimes, I, I think we, we... No, oftentimes I know we, we, we over-examine things like this and just overthink them. The Proverbs are meant to be chewed on for a while. And if you chewed on that one for a little while, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it, then then you would realize there's one great wisdom in that and two there's also not a promise in that (laughs) because that's not exactly how life works it's generally how life works and that's kind of how wisdom literature works uh it interacts with things i mean because if you're going to take that straight away then you're going to have a a dog of a time going through ecclesiastes and coming out with any mindset that makes sense yeah he's a little bitter yeah everything's worthless (laughs) yeah he's a little bitter um when he's writing that part, um, mm-hmm. that's man, that's a full episode. Because I like Ecclesiastes, but I can't spend a lot of time there. My God, well, it's like the that, anti-proverbs, right? right. Pro- proverbs start with the fear of the Lord at the beginning of wisdom. Therefore, here, here's the great things about life that God's focused on. This and that. Ecclesiastes goes up and goes, everything's worth dust this. in um, the wind. So, and then at the end, fear the Lord. <laughs> that's all. Dust there is. in the wind. You're nothing. Yeah, uh, Ecclesiastes. Let's di- let's not go to Ecclesiastes today. I'm just I'm I'm in too good of a mood. Oh, you want to go to Song of Solomon then? I I wouldn't mind going Song of Solomon, but it's I should probably think it is fascinating. It's actually, wisdom literature. It is and poetry, and, and it's focused on again a part of life that it's at times in history and times in the church we consider a piece of minutia. Very private. Very right? private. Uh, but here it is in scripture. I actually just got through reading something from Song of Songs the other day. And yeah. and it came up in, in one of my AI word searches where you know I was looking for some I was doing some actual scholarship and then something to Song Song. Oh, let me read this. Right. And and it was just interesting because if you know anything about Song of Songs, and, and, and I just, you, you have this him and her where they're just kind of doing this little back and forth, little like poetry thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're, they're, they're talking about lovemaking and, and stuff like that. And it just, it made, it just made me reminisce when I was younger and courting my, yeah. my wife, and we're kind of like, and oh, how things change <laughs> when you've been married and go to the bathroom together and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, but it's still sweet. It's still beautiful. But there would be a different poetry for that that nobody's going to want to read because it's nothing exciting. There is something exciting about, and then, of course, I see my daughter and she's growing up and then, you know, boyfriends and and or no she's not had boys she has a a boyfriend it's her first boyfriend and it's just you know i i want to like put him in a headlock but then i'm like i I love the kid um and and i love her and it's just kind of I'm like, it takes me back because, you know, we, we like to tell our teenage kids, like, you, you think that we ain't never been a teenager, but sometimes, you know, we really do forget what it was like, right. um, to be young. Um, yeah. 
And it kind of made me think about that. It made me have some grace for my daughter and Mm -hmm. for teenagers and just people that are younger in general. Um, Because love's a, that kind of love, romantic love is an interesting thing. And it is wisdom. And it's part of life. It's part of life. God, God made it. it. It's it's not it's not something to be shied away from. And uh, as is uh, uh, as is everything that Song of Solomon is written about. I mean these these are the aspects of life that. And I think that's one of my favorite things about wisdom literature is it's you will find topics in wisdom literature you will not find in other parts of literature. Right. It it is it is God's focus on tiny things of life. I mean, it, the way that you you read, Aunt, I mean, tiny to the big things, it's it's all over the place. But I mean, the way that you see uh, God's focus, right? So let's go back to Job, right? Because kind let's of the grandfather of all yeah. wisdom literature. I love Job. I specifically love it when God shows up in a tornado and just talks to Job. Because, I mean, think about the way that God spoke to him. What did he do? What did he talk about? He talked about this animal way up in the mountains somewhere that's given birth. Hmm. <laughs> Who you know, this? Job's Who... family just died. And yeah. he's still in mourning. And God is coming up saying, there's not a single goat born up in the mountains I don't I don't oversee. Uh-huh. Sparrows? I mean, you can see the way Jesus even takes this up. You know, you, you, you worry about your life. A sparrow doesn't fall in the woods without God knowing about it. You think your life is worth less than theirs? You know, I mean, he uses that same mentality that God is using with Job where he's going... You know, can you do these things? Are you able to do these things? Do you even see these things? I do. And I think it's just beautiful that God spends this time focusing on even mundane things that, from our perspective, some of them just don't matter. I'm sure Job doesn't give two flying hoots about Hyrax in the mountains. And yet there God is saying in the middle of answering Job going... Not only am I not going to tell you why all of this happened, I'm just going to talk to you about goats and animals and such. And that's enough to tell Job, who fears the Lord, Mm -hmm. that his mouth needs to stay quiet. And who said something similar to that? It was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Where he talks about animals. He kind of answers the same thing in the same type of a way. Right. Um, when he's talking about his kingdom, I want to read that fir- these first kind of couple of lines of Job thirty-eight. He, he he says, says then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, who is this who darkens counsel without words, with words without knowledge? Get ready for a difficult task like a man. I will question you, and you will inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you possess understanding. Who set its measurements, if you know? Or who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its bases set? Or who laid its cornerstone? Okay, flat earthers. Just so you know. Because they're they're out there, Tim. This does not mean that the world's flat. (laughs) Um, No, it does not. and, And so, there and again, abuses of the Bible... Um, people that will take, say, something like this, um, mm-hmm. and then, well, it's it's in the Bible that the, the Bible's flat. And 
No. It's not. Um, they they <laughs> wrote from an ancient Near Eastern worldview because they were ancient Near Eastern people. Um, so there's cosmic geography, something, one of the things that you, you learn about. It's one of my favorite just because I'm a map nerd and stuff. Tell us a little bit about cosmic geography and kind of how that works and how we can kind of understand these little things that are in wisdom literature when it's when it's talking about the earth when it's talking about just this uh this language that it will use to mm-hmm. to describe things T- tell yeah, tell so, us a little bit about so that. the easiest way to describe it is um the way that language and culture talks about things right so our culture will do the same thing where nobody actually believes that the sun rises or sets Right, we use that terminology that does not just because God would speak to us in our language the way that we refer to things does not mean that He is going, Hup, see, the sun literally goes up and then it literally goes down. And so then we have to construct this this mentality around us where we go, somehow, some way, we need to have the sun going up because it says the sun rises and that's in scripture. Look. It is the way we talk about things. And so he speaks to us like all language on our level with our words. It is a remarkable thing that God does that. It is a fantastic thing that God does that. And we need to be very, very careful mm-hmm. because he does that. And there are aspects to it. I'm not saying in all things. I'm saying there are aspects, especially when it comes to cosmology and especially when it comes to uh, the nature of just how things work. Um, he's not coming down and going, oh, hang on a second, let me fix your science really quick, and then we can talk. He's not doing that. That's not his intention, nor is this just strictly poetic. He's just talking to them the way they see the world. Right. And Because he's a personal there, God. I find that marvelous. Because yes. when God comes to me, he doesn't talk to me like I'm somebody from the 31st century. He talks to me like I'm someone from the 21st century. And that's one of the most remarkable things about the gospel. And I think when we, when we do things like, um, you know, oh, flat earth this, or 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 there's a storehouse of snow in the sky, or um, firmament, you know, lenticular water above the, you know, sky, or something like this. All this stuff, we're we're trying to force verses into reality that were never really intended to interact that way. You know, I'll give you a great example. It comes from the very first verse of the Bible. You know, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We look at that and we go, okay, so the way that we refer to heavens is um, we we go, there's the place where the bird flies, there's a place where the uh, sun, moon, and stars are, and then there's the third heaven where God dwells, right? And so we go, boy, that's that's exactly what it's referring to because, you know, uh, 4,000 years later, five, 6,000 years later, whatever, um, that's how those terms were used. This is a problem because when Genesis was written, Moses was wandering with the people in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. They had a question, who is the God that's leading us? Mm-hmm. And so what does he say? Look up, look down. There's nothing that is made that didn't come from his mouth. It's mine. It's all mine. Correct. Ever bit All of it. it. And so I'm not just one of these gods in Egypt. I am the God. I made mm. everything. I made every one. I destroyed this world in a very similar way that you just watched me destroy Moses and his, or not Moses, uh, the Pharaoh and his chariots. 
I am the god who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I'm also the god who brought everyone out of the ground. I created everything. I made everything. Look up, look down. Everything that you can see, that's what I made. And so when they look up, what are they looking at? Stars in heaven, sun, moon, and stars. They're they're looking out everywhere. This this whole thing that we experience belongs to him. That's yeah. what Genesis 1-1 is talking about. Now, Genesis, that, that when you think about that, I mean, there's... There's wisdom within within the Genesis, especially the first ten oh, chapters yeah. of Genesis, where you could even it's very multifaceted. I mean, it's a narrative, but there's there's wisdom in it. Um, and so these literary ideas that you're kind of bringing up that that come up out of Genesis. Um, so like when it talks about the waters and deep waters. Sure. Um, so first of all, let's put it in context. Who who wrote it? Okay, you, you got Moses. Where are they at? So you bring context in. The ancient Near Eastern people, when they looked at the sea and the waters and chaos, which is mentioned in Job, the same kind of idea, this chaos dragon chaos. monster. Right. It they looked at that as death, um, and. Like it makes sense, especially especially those who have come up and and seen all the Egyptian army flooded and, and wiped yeah, m- out. More more, more um, rightly speaking, anti life, anti life. Just yeah, just to it, get precise. Yeah, uh, it's and and uh, look, you look out over a sea. It, it's dangerous out there. You don't know. I mean, it, it would make sense if you try to empathize with the people during that time. And look, I empathize with that. If you've ever been stranded out at sea, mm-hmm. and I have been, like where you can't see land, it's scary. Like that. I mean, it's it's scary. And we're not talking about on a lake, but I mean, even if you haven't been out on the sea and um. And and you are on a big lake. It's scary out on the water. Now imagine ancient people w- without the technology and all that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. that's scary. Um, yep. So you can understand as to why they would bring these types of literary ideas into it. And it, so this helps us really kind of interpret the Bible even into the even into the uh, New Testament um, mm-hmm. because they're, they're not as far removed think some things have have changed but these ideas um literary ideas mountains hills water mm-hmm. they they carry over uh, and so we need to remember these things it helps us to be able to understand the beautiful things that are happening within the literary structure of the bible um, oh uh, I, I mean with without question i mean the things that the the things that God does throughout His Scripture are just simply fantastic. With the way He, the way He builds these things in, it's not just in wisdom literature. It actually is throughout. Um, you, you you have these, you have these ways of speaking to people, um, and and coming up to them, and and holding them in their ignorance and speaking to them there, and then also expanding their knowledge. Um, at the same time, and approaching people where they are, I think is one of my favorite things about how God delivers Scripture. Because you know, we have the first we have the first books are written in Hebrew, and then the last ones are written in Greek, and both of those are human languages. None of them are heavenly languages. God doesn't drop down golden tablets and bury them in a in a field in upstate New York. What God does is actually comes to. 
comes to people with their own culture, with their own language, where they are, and speaks to them where they're at, and doesn't insist that they be somewhere else. How can they be? You know, I, there's there's no way to be. And so I, I think that's one of the cool things about wisdom literature specifically is it's one of the places where we actually see... It, it's, it's like... How to put this in words? It's like seeing the matrix underneath yeah. the way that God designed life to be. It's, and it's, it's not discernment. Clean. It's discernment. Um, yeah. I, anytime I tell um, from from discipling from from my child to a, a, a full on grown up, like where do I where do I start reading my Bible? Um. I say, go to go to Proverbs, go to Psalms, three Psalms a night, one proverb a night, thirty days, start over again. Um, it, it's just a, it's a good, it's a good place to land, um, especially if if your life's been a wreck. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've been one of them people where my life was a wreck, um, and that sometimes I. I find myself back there for a, a, a whole host of reasons. Um, sometimes these things are my fault. Sometimes they're not my fault. Sometimes I'm just, it's no fault of anybody at all. You just kind of find yourself and and they're, they're just a good, it's a good place to land. It's just more spiritual truth that I don't, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many times that you've read it, and I'd say this with with all the Bible, but wisdom literature is just one of the places that I go to when I ain't feeling so wise. And then when I'm feeling wise, I find myself there more often. Um, <laughs> and there's there's just there's a lot of it, like I say it's hard to put into words to communicate spiritual truth with spiritual things and and so when we look at the idea of discipleship and you look how jesus modeled his life um Mm -hmm. with these disciples and you see the way that jesus spoke to different sets of people and so like when he's with the crowds and then he'll speak in these parables these riddles Mm -hmm. It's when he's with his disciples, when he's alone with them, that he breaks this down a little bit more. And he doesn't communicate to us in the Bible what that is. They got to hear that. Yeah, not all the that time. Would have Sometimes been a, it does. Well, yeah. yeah um, but but, it, it, but, that, that but most just, of the time, yeah, we don't know. We, we don't really know. Um, how awesome would it... And we'll be, we'll be able to be there one day, Tim. Mm-hmm. I mean... Jesus, what, what y'all talk about? Like, what, what's the other side of the story? Um, that'll be really fun. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, and so when you, when you read the pair, when you read the, the, the words of Jesus, and you can understand why he spoke to them in such a way. Um, and then, you know, that his disciples didn't even really get these things that he said until after he was dead and, and, and resurrected and then he was alive and then because 
he gives them his spirit. It, they're spiritual truths. Um, they're, 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 they're just, they're spiritual truths. Um, they are communicated to, I, I wouldn't say like you have to spiritualize, you have to be a, a Christian believer or even a God believer to understand some of these truths. But there are some of those things on other levels where you're not going to understand it without the Spirit of God. I, I don't know any other way to put it than that. Um, because I can't, I, I can't like you'll never understand this. I, like I don't, I don't know. Um, because I'll, I'll read the same thing from wisdom literature, and it'll, it'll speak new truth to me mm-hmm. all my life, and I'll learn something new from it. Um, but it's not magic. It's not a seance. No. It's not a. It, it, it's not a. It's not a tell-all book to make yourself rich, right? Uh, apparently, because I'm not rich yet. <laughs> well, you just don't believe enough. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have enough. I don't have enough faith. But man, I. It's a blessing. I don't have a lot of money. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be any good with it. I'm. I'm not good with just a little bit. So. Well, you know, I. I you know, you you point out that not only did Jesus, kind of. F- fall into the the stream of wisdom literature especially with parables uh, just the way he did things you know he never explained why he did which miracles he did and then why he held back other miracles kind of like the guy in job there yes and so there's 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 a built-in concept on on these things i'm actually walking through uh, a lot of it in um, in my class on pneumatology I, I teach on Thursday nights because Christ is doing all of these things by what power? By the power of the Spirit, right? He's not even doing it his own. It's after the will of the Father and the, the enablement of the Holy Spirit that he's, he's doing these particular miracles and not explaining them. And so not only the parables, but the miracles, these things are not meant to be thoroughly clear, but all of them speak to this bringing in of the kingdom of God in, in ways that nobody was expecting. And, and so you have, even after all of this, the apostles are digesting, what is it that we have experienced in this coming of the Christ? What, you know, not only the mystery of the salvation of the Gentiles, which is just almost mind blowing uh, to them in a way that we can't really quite grasp, but then they start calling Christ different things. Christ, the the power of God and the wisdom of God, He Himself, you know, through through Him, God created the world. Through wisdom, God established its foundations, and and we start to get this picture developing that there is there is this there is this nature of how the world works with regards to life, and all of it is wrapped up in Christ. You know, you'll you'll get you'll get uh, to the church in Colossae. You'll get um, you'll get this idea of um, all these treasures of wisdom. You know, are 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 in Christ. All all of these things that it's not it's not some secret knowledge you arrive up to. We're not looking to learn just more facts and more facts, and we'll finally beat everybody else. It's not about what the parables are necessarily about. It's about Christ. Every single thing leads to him. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're finding itself leading to you, and this is where the risks of wisdom literature make themselves obvious. Things like, I brought up the example earlier, train up a child in the way it should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. If that causes you to look to you for the saving of your child, you're reading it wrong. Mm. Because instead of pointing to Christ, which Christ said all of the scriptures point to him, and in them you can find life and salvation, you make it about you. And that's exactly the wrong thing to do with wisdom literature. It's it's not about making your, you know, just getting your life in order. You cannot get your life in order without Christ. Mm-hmm. This, this is the whole point why Jesus is like the capstone of wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when we define wisdom literature as purely an Old Testament thing, I think you're exactly right. We miss the whole thing that it was looking forward to. Why is it Jesus was coming and speaking in parables? Yeah. It wasn't just so that some wouldn't believe. It was so that those who were truly looking for life would find it. Those who seek find, right? I mean, this is that that's that's the perspective that he's get bringing. I know that um for those people too that that I've said when when I say start in Proverbs and and Psalms when you start reading that. Okay, and then so it's like read that for a month. Continue reading that the next month, but then, you know, when you start getting into opening your New Testament and reading that, you're going to go, oh, because there's for some reason the biblical authors, they apparently knew their Hebrew Bible and read a lot Hmm. of Psalms and Proverbs. But, I mean, and and you may not be able to just, it may not be word for word, scripture and verse, and you may not be able to go back there, but if you spend time reading those texts and, and just fully absorb in Proverbs and Psalms, and maybe you don't even understand it, but just sit in that, when you start reading, especially your especially the Gospels, um, but I'd say Paul too, but but especially the Gospels. You're you're just you're gonna you're gonna pick up all of this imagery, these same things. You're gonna be like, "Whoa, what's what's going on?" Um, that that was for me, I guess. One spiritually speaking, of starting something starts clicking f- for me, and and when I'm saying it's, but because it's not anything that I did, there there was something that was clicking with me where. I've just feel feel the Holy Spirit. This is what this means. This this is what's going on. Like I'm sitting at Jesus's feet, um, mm-hmm. and you can only do that by spending. And I would also say prayerfully, pr- prayerfully reading, and and studying your Bible. There there is a difference between reading and studying, and it's okay to do both. It's okay to do both at the same time sometimes i read mm-hmm. and i think everybody's i don't know if you've got a systematic way I, I mean i do a little bit um i'm a kind of a systems builder but um it it's different for everybody uh, yeah. of kind of how that develops you for for bible study you mean? I mean yeah just reading and bible study and and yeah. kind of how that evolves yeah so um i mean a lot of people would probably be surprised to hear no i actually have none um, I, I do not, um, I have found it very constricting 
to the way that I actually think and interact with everything. And so I wouldn't expect that the way I'd interact with scripture would be any different. Um, that it would be, you know, almost as random as the way I, um, interact with just about everything. I, I don't, I don't schedule in a time. I know to our culture that sounds almost blasphemous, right? Oh you know, for, for I do find things. that hard to believe because you're, you are very time and schedule oriented. So that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. So I, um, well, I mean, I hope it's somewhat encouraging, but I mean, the, the way I look at scripture is it's ever present. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I, I do not have a specific time where I sit down and go, okay, here's, here's the 30 minutes that I must think about scripture. Scripture is everywhere. Yeah. constantly going through mind constantly going through the way that life works around us and and I get to have the benefit of of, of both my job and and my yeah. schooling are both involved with this I don't mean to say that it's just a professional thing I mean to say it doesn't really leave my awareness bubble I don't really know how to say that um and it's been that way for many many years and I've learned to love it. There are times where I will go several days and I'm not picking up my scriptures, but then there's other days where that's all I can do yeah. is pick them up and look at them. And and I find that far more honest with who I actually am. That's kind of how I interact with almost everything. I wouldn't expect that I would interact with it very differently. Would you than the say way your study and reading the Bible would be different or you kind of figure that is always one and the same say that again sorry when you talk about reading and interacting with scripture versus saying study and and so i guess what when i'm talking about study is i mean i'm i'm breaking some things i'm not talking about scholarship but i'm more maybe going back in footnotes and and you know, going here and going there where I would say that's what I would call study. And then there's the times when I'm just, just reading. So if I'm being honest and there's still study, the the line of demarcation between those is very, very fuzzy. Yeah, it is. It is. There are, there are times where I sit down and man, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just eat straight through, you know, multiple Psalms. I'll eat straight through uh, a narrative in Genesis or, um, specifically as of late in the Gospels, um, or I'll read through an entire epistle. But then there's other times where I come in and, man, I can't get out of a single verse. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and <laughs> you know, honestly, for me, sometimes it's actually good not to yeah. go and look at what the translation is, this and that. Yeah. There are some times where just sitting here and and concentrating and and meditating and just chewing over a verse and i don't mean going into some trance i don't mean sitting here you know alone in my <laughs> office all closed off from the world. no head. i mean while i'm going through my day changing dirty diapers uh, writing papers and making dinner for my family uh-huh. i have a singular verse in my head that happens mm-hmm. and there's other days where it doesn't mm-hmm. and guess what I've, I've learned to be content in all those days because and and I think that's one of the things that I love about wisdom literature because it it doesn't 
It doesn't just sit here and go, here, here's the ideal. Chase it down, chase it down, and be depressed. It says, here's the messiness of life. Let's interact with it. Here's the general principles of life. Let's appreciate them. And in the middle of it all, and this is why I love that Ecclesiastes is part of wisdom literature, Mm -hmm. when you find out that pursuing everything else is just grasping at wind. What does he say at the end of it? Fear God. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I appreciate more than anything. I, I love that Christ's life as the as the ultimate expression of wisdom literature himself mm. spends all of his time showing us with what real life looks like. You know, life with regards to being able to see, with regards to being able to hear. With regards to being able to walk, these are the things that God has gifted to us. These are the things that he walks around showing and doing and and casting demons out of people because that's not life. That's that's anti-life. That's 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 those that's that disordered ocean, that darkness of the depth. And he's saying, No, no, no. This is the way. Walk in it. And, and I just, I, I love that. I love wisdom literature. And I love that you brought us to that point. Christ is our wisdom. Yes. In him, the fullness of deity dwelt bodily. And, and to, to, to see that he is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Colossians 2.3 says. I particularly love that. I love that he expresses, and I, I turn to 1 Corinthians 124 a little while ago um, expresses to us, you know, obviously for for Greeks who won't believe and for Jews who won't believe, Christ is folly to us, just uh, folly to them, just as the cross is. He says in verse 24, but to those of us who are called, both Jews and Greeks, um, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger. Than men and you will find that you know and i, I the same thing i found you 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 know the best-selling books in any bookstore are the how-to things how to life how to do this how to do that how to do that, how to lose this how to you know all that kind of stuff is the how-to sections wisdom literature is kind of the how-to section of the bible how to life and it's messy grab a hold because it's worth it <laughs> but fear the lord that's where wisdom starts, and that's where life really does start. Well, I'm going to um, end with some words Marvelous. with Jesus um, and put some context here. This is John 20 um, from verses 21 through 23. And, and so Jesus has risen from the dead. He's coming back to see his disciples. Um. So this is what's going on. Um, so let, let's start with 19. We're going to do 19 through 23. He said, on, any, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, 
I also send you. And after he said this, he breathed on them and said, Mm -hmm. receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. Um, that's one of my just favorite things to remind me of who I am in, in Christ Jesus, what I'm called to, what you are all called to, brothers and sisters. Um, the authority that you have, the power that you have in Christ Jesus. Um, we, we can do nothing without his spirit. It's the life that he's breathed into. It is life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's close this out in prayer, Tim. Oh, yeah. Father, we're grateful for your word. We thank you that you come and you speak to us in our language. That you have, even in your incarnation, demonstrated for us the translatability of this which means we can read it in our own tongue and hear it in our own words and your spirit still works through it that is simply beyond our understanding we thank you that life is more complicated than we would have made it and we thank you that you are there with us in the mundane in the times of rejoicing in the times of difficulty and sickness in health poverty wealth just as the covenants of marriage express you express to your church never to leave us never to forsake us we thank you that you are faithful We thank you that you cannot deny us because you cannot deny yourself. We thank you that for the sake of Christ, of his gospel and your kingdom, we may have hope in the darkest of times and in the most distressing circumstances that life sends our way. Thank you so much for this section of scriptures that constantly remind us how difficult life will be and how powerful you are. We pray, Father, that we never forget to fear you first, to turn away from evil, Mm. and to be wise. Wise pursuers of life the way you would have it. And when we find ourselves there pursuing Christ up that hill with our own cross. We pray we find real life in losing it for his sake. Abundant life. We look forward to resurrection. We look forward to the world to come. We look forward to seeing you face to face. Until that day, we thank you for all these gifts. We thank you for the fellowship of the church. We pray it become more and more precious to us as the days go on. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for 
for listening to Theology Untucked. Join us each week as we engage in all things theological, biblical, and cultural. These are the types of conversations we should be having in the church today, and we aim to play our part. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like us to address, or a prayer request, please send them to us. You can reach me at Caleb at TheologyUntucked.com. Or you can reach me at Tim at TheologyUntucked.com. Do note that your prayer requests remain strictly confidential. We will not be sharing them on the show. For more information or to support the show, please visit TheologyUntucked.com. Lord's blessings to you all.